We have two different uh, scripture readings this morning, and if, like me, you grew up in church, these are some of the probably most familiar um, Bible stories that um, we've all heard. Pray with me before we start. Lord God, we just ask that you open our eyes and ears to hear what it is that you say to us through your word. Amen. The first is Mark, the first chapter, starting in verse 14. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. And then we move over to Luke chapter 5. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, with the people crowding around him and listening to the word of God, he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break, so they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on you will catch men. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This is the word of the Lord. And it is the story of Peter and how he became, he started following Jesus. Um, this last Friday morning, I woke up at 5 a.m., in order to watch something that I've only seen on through other people's cameras before. I, but this time I got to see it with my own eyes. I got to see a rocket launch into space. I was in Florida, in Orlando for some meetings and I was not expecting this, but somebody just told me uh, just two days before, oh, by the way, if you're interested, 
If you get up early enough on Friday morning, go out, you can see it's only 20 miles away. You'll be able to see it at 5.45 a.m. It's a night launch, so you'll be able to see it very well in, in the sky. You have to get in a good place so that you can be able to see it as it clears the tree line. But um, so I was up at five and um, with another uh, person who had been in the meetings with me and we were going to see if, where we could see it. We missed it. We only saw it as it cleared the trees, but it was spectacular. Four astronauts on board going to the space station. And I was amazed. It was, it was a wonder, it really was. It brought me back, flash back to when I was six years old and I saw on a black and white fuzzy TV, something I remember my father saying in 1969, Iris, pay attention. This is really important. There's a man that's landing on the moon. You'll wanna remember this. <laughs> and I'm telling you to, it was the first time I saw with my eyes, this time a rocket that's actually going into space, but I saw it on television. And I believed my father that there was a man on the moon. It was the first time I was watching, I remember actually watching television too, because I grew up in Mali, West Africa, and we had just come back to the States. It was my first memories of, of America as well and seeing a television. So I got to see two things at the same time, television and we just arrived in July of 1969. And I was watching television and the person on the moon all at the same time. So I was quite impressed and in wonder anyway. Um, not knowing as a six-year-old how important that was that there was someone on the moon, but someone related to me later that there was, they were explaining to an African in Mali when there was someone on the moon, they had looked at the night sky and said, did you know that there's someone on the moon right now? And he looked at them and said, no, that, that's impossible. <laughs> Don't believe that. Don't believe that. So there is this sense of, uh, yes, you have to see it with your eyes and I got to see something, but sometimes we get to have the front row. Sometimes we are way back, but there was an event that happened back in uh, 2000 years ago when God entered our world and as a man um, invited people to follow him and join his kingdom. And that must have been an incredible wonder. It sure, it was marked with miracles so that people understood who he was, but they individually had to decide if they were going to join him or if they were going to stay as spectators. And um, the, the calling of Jesus's first disciples is a story we've heard over and over. And sometimes it sounds a little boring because we've heard it so many times. It's a, it's a fact that there were people that followed Jesus. But the wonder of the moment of being asked by Jesus to say, come follow me, was pretty much akin to um, that first step on the moon and saying, we got, how did I get to be, how did I get to be able to do this? You know, Armstrong, Neil Armstrong got to be the first person to stand on the moon. And how did he get to be that person? Um, that is a small thing compared to being asked by the God of the universe to would you like to follow me? Please come follow me and be part of my kingdom. And that's what was offered to Peter. As we're looking at vertical uh, habits 
and the life of Peter, we're thinking about this even from a child's perspective. What are the first things that we learn in our family of origin to do? What are habits we learn to do? We say, I'm sorry, and we listen. Another thing that children often do is, what, is ask, what can I do? Or, and I think it comes from a question that they're often asked is, what do you think you'll be when you grow up? Every child's been asked that. If you're listening today or your parents are thinking about that, what, do you, what would you want to be when you grow up? And we play. I was not, I never played astronaut, but I bet there's some people that have. Um, watching the first man on the moon didn't inspire me to want to be an astronaut, but there were things that I saw when I was a child that made me want to be that, play it, act it out, and role play. And that's what play is. The wonder of play as a child. I think you can probably remember as a child when you just wanted to play so badly and you, because you wanted to see how this worked. You saw something, it inspired you, and you said, I, I wanna play that as a child. Um, I remember our kids, um, Peter would always have a mask. He was the masked defender of something or other, just playing school. Um, Stephanie was the administrator, Marissa was the teacher. When I was a child, I'd line up my stuffed animals and I'd actually preach to them or tell them a story. Um, I remember Rob saying that he actually played, uh, it. he had a desk and he'd set it up <laughs> as a desk um, and play administrator. I don't know what it is. You played something when you were a kid that made you, that you there was a wonder about play. The most important thing about play is actually when you're invited to play with someone else though. So we play by ourselves, but isn't it, wonderful as a child when you get invited by someone else to join the play and to play together. And um, that is an invitation that Jesus was giving as he was walking along the Sea of Galilee. He was inviting um, disciples to follow him very much basically to be his first disciples. And that's a wonder. Um, but he didn't ask them to do something. He asked them to trust them, trust them to follow him. There's a book that came out recently. Well, it's a while back. It's called The Cure by, Guy, by John Lynch. And the question he asks is very compelling. He asks, what is better, pleasing God or trusting God? What does God want us to do? Does he want him to please him or does he want us to trust him? And I think the first response is, well, he wants both, right? Um, we don't have to choose. But if I did choose, hmm, pleasing God, that means I'm automatically thinking of things to do. So when I ask that question, what can I do for God as a disciple? If I'm a disciple, what can I do? That's probably what Peter or anybody that Jesus said, you know, if you're going to be my disciple, what, what are you going to do? That's the first thing. I want to know what we're going to do, and then maybe I'll decide if I want to do that or um, two. So becoming a Christian for a lot of people is what are we supposed to do? In fact, there was someone that I uh, prayed with once as they were um, follow, starting to follow Jesus, and the first question she asked was, well, what am I supposed to do now? What's the first thing to do? And um, she was from 
um, Afghan from Muslim background, and she thought she maybe needed to go to a shrine and make a special um, offering or do something because that's what she had actually, that was a doing thing or pray or say some specific words or do something uh, fast for a month or what, what is the thing I'm supposed to do? That's kind of a pleasing God thing. But Jesus never asked any of his disciples to do anything except one thing first. And that was to believe. If you look at the passage today from Mark, and we're going to talk a little bit how Mark and Luke interface with each other. But today when it says um, right before in verse 14, Mark 1, 14, it says that Jesus said three things. He had a three-point message that was pretty concise. His, the message started with the time is fulfilled. It's time. It's time. Something is going to start right now. The time has come. Everybody's been saying the time. The time for what? It's time. It's something's going to start now. And now he says, what's going to start? The kingdom of God is starting. The kingdom of God is here. The kingdom of God is me. And what I'm doing, it's me. Join me. This is what is the main event has arrived. And then the third part of his message. So the first message is it's time. The second point is the kingdom of God is now. It's starting. It's me. And the third thing is believe, believe in the gospel, believe in the good news that I'm talking about. Basically, believe my message. And believing isn't head knowledge here because he doesn't just preach and then he goes on to the next group of people. He doesn't um, get congregations together and to um, say, okay, now that you believe this sign, do something, you know, and then I'll leave something for you to do after I preach to you so I can go preach to the next people. He, he shows how he wants people to believe him, specifically some people. And that is, I want you to follow me. I want you to trust me enough. And he never tells them what they're going to do. He tells them to believe, to trust. So back to the cure, the question, is it pleasing God or trusting God? That is the essence of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Trusting means that I don't know where we're going, but, and I don't always know what I'm going to do or what I'm supposed to do, but I'm going to trust that you know where we're going. You know what we're going to do when we get there. And trust is probably the most difficult thing to do when you don't know where it's going to lead you. So that's it. basically when he comes along to the Sea of Galilee, he sees some fishermen. Now, this is where the passage between Luke and Mark are a little confusing here. And I'm not going to go into a lot of detail, but I'm, you might be wondering where it looks really simple in Mark. Jesus just says he sees these fishermen. In fact, there's going to be four of them. There's Peter, Andrew, James, and John. And then... There's mostly Peter in Luke, well, with Simon, uh, yeah, and also James and John. But there is it that they're fishing, um, and he just tells them, and they follow. Or there's this whole scene of Jesus is teaching, and Peter's pretty tired because he stayed up all night, and he hasn't caught anything. And Jesus proves who he is to Peter by 
this miracle of so many fish. And then Peter realizes who he is first. He repents. This is Peter's repentance story here. The I'm sorry. I understand who I am now because I've seen you. In terms of other people, I've been okay. But now that I see who you are, I realize who I am and I'm sorry. So he says, I'm a sinful man, Lord. He says in Luke 5. But Jesus says, that's good. I'm glad you saw that. I take sinful people. I like sinful people following me because I'm going to make you someone that you haven't been up till now. I'm making you more of who you were. So in both places, he tells Peter what he's going to become. He's going to become a fisher of men. And you can see on either side of this, there's things that happen with Peter's mother-in-law, the healing of of. of his mother-in-law comes before this in Luke, and it comes after in Mark. And there's lots of, like, how, how does this chronology work? Is there two times that Peter, Jesus sees Peter? Or, and um, there's lots of speculation. I'm not going to get into that now of how the chronology works. But this isn't the first time anyway that Peter has encountered Jesus. He's already seen him before with Andrew. So you remember last week, um, Andrew is actually the first one who encounters Jesus and Andrew goes and finds Peter and brings him to Jesus in another place not where Peter is first is fishing but in the house where Jesus is staying that was in John 1 from last week and also Philip goes and gets Nathaniel and so there's been a lot of um, there's a lot of things in this story that we don't know the order always and we don't always know um, which came first and all the in we have to use a lot of imagination too but we do know that here Jesus is actually really looking for Peter because the first time Andrew has brought Peter to Jesus but now Peter but Jesus goes and finds Peter so that's what I want to focus on here in our text in Mark and also in Luke that Pete Jesus goes to where Peter is. Peter, Jesus knows who Peter is, and he knows where to find him. Peter is with his boat. He's doing what he always does. He's fishing. He's casting his net. There's nice verbs in here that describe um, different people, how Jesus finds people. You know, it, last week we saw that Jesus found, when Jesus first encountered Nathaniel, he um, he says that Nathaniel, he saw him, he found him in his eyes under the fig tree. So there's a place where everyone starts. And that's just like with us. Jesus knows where to find us. I think that's, we often think, oh, looking for Jesus. Jesus always been looking for us first and he knows where to find us anywhere. Not just the first time, but the second time. This isn't the first time. Peter encounters Jesus this is at least the second time and Peter Jesus knows where to find him and he knows he's found found him where he's casting his nets doing his work what he knows how to do he's seen Nathaniel under the tree thinking he's encountered Andrew tells him to come to my house it's where it's in a house where he first encounters um, Andrew so he finds people in different places. James and John, they're mending their nets. They're not casting the nets. So they're doing another job. 
and Jesus finds them. The next thing that Jesus does is he um, knows, as he knows who they are, he says something about them. So we see in the story, in the Luke account, that fills it out a lot more, that when Jesus encounters Peter, it's not an easy encounter. Jesus has to show Peter that he knows who he is, and he knows that um, Peter's background. And I feel like this is a very personal, why is this here? Because when we are asked to trust someone, we don't trust someone unless we think they know who we are. It's really important to be known. Trust is not, we don't um, just blindly follow um, God when he calls us, when we, when we join that play, that, that important thing as a child with childlike wonder. We do it because we feel like we're known and we've been invited because of who we are. And uh, Jesus calls Peter because he knows that Peter is a fisherman that hasn't had a good night fishing. And not because he's at the bottom of his game, but because Peter is a fisherman and Jesus is gonna, wants Peter to attach who he is as a fisherman to his kingdom, not to throw it away, but actually to bring who he is to the kingdom of God. So to prove that, he doesn't rub it in and say, you are a terrible fisherman and you really need to choose a different profession. He basically takes him out in Luke and gives him the biggest catch of fish he's ever had. He shows Peter that actually he can be a pretty good fisherman, but actually Jesus is helping him do kind of a miracle that's, you know, blows his mind, blows his mind so much that he realizes he's a sinner. Somehow that connection is just like, oh, wow, I didn't, I really realized that I'm not, I'm not a bad fisherman. I'm actually a sinner. And that's actually what Jesus really wants. He wants Peter to see who he is in view of him. It's not about what you do, Peter. It's about who you are. Peter, you're a sinner, but I have plans for you. I'm going to make you a fisherman of people. And I'm going to use you, I'm going to make you something more than you are now, but it's not, you're not throwing out who you were. You're just becoming more of who you were made to be. So that's the next thing. Jesus finds us. Jesus knows who we are. He meets us where we are and what we're doing. And then he calls us to become who we were made to be. So for each of these disciples, for Peter, he says, I'm going to make you a fisherman of men. And he also says that for Andrew and James and John, who are mending their nets. I don't know if that has anything to do with who they become, you know, the men. And, but they are mending their nets. And Jesus says, you all, you, all of you are going to become fishers of men if you join me. My, my play, my big, this is the big thing happening here. Leave the little thing to join the big thing right now. But you're, I'm not, it's not because they're bad fishermen. It's not because they failed at it. It's because they are becoming who they were uh, made to be now. And Jesus basically tells them, this is who you're going to be. Remember, he told Simon earlier, you're a rock. Peter wasn't a rock yet. Simon wasn't a rock when Jesus called him. That was actually a prophecy of who he was going to become. And he wasn't even a rock until later on, not even until 
He stood up on the day of Pentecost with the boldness of, of the true Peter who had become the rock that he became who Jesus told him he was going to be on his first encounter. Remember last week with Nathaniel, um, Jesus, Nathaniel is a good, maybe he's a good New Englander. He had that nice sarcasm of cynicism of what <laughs> anything good come out of Nazareth. And Jesus said, I know who you are. You're going to actually see greater things than, than the angels descending and ascending on the ladder that Jacob saw in his dream. So basically, you're going to see miracles. A, a cynical uh, Nathaniel that came to believe actually was going to become this believer that would believe these miracles as that only the son of God could do and understand Jesus as the son of God. Um, Andrew and Philip, they were called to follow Jesus, but they didn't just follow by themselves. They were sort of influencers. They went out to look for other people. So Andrew was the first one that went and found Peter and said, hey, come, <laughs> you got to see this, um, the one who is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Nath Philip went to go find Nathaniel and said, this is the one that's been promised. And so there are some people that get called by Jesus and immediately say, if I'm following, other people are following too. You know, they're kind of like, this is a group thing, the, the, the influencers. So you can see that Jesus called many kinds of people, but where they were, and the most important thing he asked them to do in that question that we're looking at, what can I do? What can each of them do? They each did something different. But the most important thing is they trusted Jesus to follow him and understood that their role was in the following and that they were becoming more of what they were meant to be. But they didn't know what that was yet. They did the thing that was most natural to them, and that was to be who they were and to follow Jesus as they were, as they came out of whatever they had been in the past, the, the, uh, and not a completely different person. I think maybe if you look at this story that way, since it is a story some of you have heard since you were a kid, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Usually we've thought that meant that all of us have to become evangelists right now. We're all gonna go out there and be fishers of men. And actually, he only said that to the fishers. He never said that to Nathaniel, or he never said that to Philip. He said other things to them. The one thing he did say was follow. And I think when we realize that we, what we've been invited to is to follow Jesus, the things that we do come after that. And sometimes we pre-guess like Peter did often before he as he was learning to know who Jesus was he would often quickly impetuously understand I think this is what we're supposed to do and Jesus was like no 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 not the right time um, James and John were called the sons of thunder because they tended to want to do something a little quicker than Jesus was ready to do call down fire from heaven and Jesus said not not the time for that yet and so there is this sense of following Jesus means not doing what, or not quickly thinking that we know what we're supposed to do, but 
put the emphasis more on the following and then the, the doing comes as we trust. And then we start understanding what Jesus has actually made us for each of us. We were made for something. What we become is being part of the story. And the invitation here is not to, when, when a child asks their mother and father or in a play situation, what can I do? What they're actually asking and what we actually ask as adults is, what can I do? What's my role? Well, actually, the doing seems more important than the being. And we don't feel like we can make a contribution unless we know exactly what we're going to do. The invitation of Jesus to follow in Mark is to become, not to do, to become my follower. And it's not just a one-time thing. I don't, it almost seems like Peter was asked more than once. Here is the, the time when he really followed. He left everything. It says he left everything, but we do know he went back to fishing again. <laughs> he went back to fishing after, and then Jesus called him again in John after the resurrection. He was back up in Galilee fishing with everybody. Jesus went and found him again. It wasn't that fishing was bad. The most important thing was who he was following. Was he following Jesus or was he focusing on what he did? And the following of Jesus is the, the answer to what can I do? Can I be a part of this? Can I, when somebody asked me once, um, I was really struggling with a big question that a lot of people have, I think. If I, Christians that follow Jesus say, well, Jesus is the way, the truth, and life. So that really means everybody else is on the wrong way, you know, and they're doomed for eternity, damned for eternity. It's only the ones that somehow got on the right, you know, on the right way. And that is true, but it's an invitation of, from God's perspective, not from mine. And what I would say is it's not finding the right way or the wrong way, doing the right thing or the wrong thing. It's like being part of being invited and accepting the invitation. Following is always an invitation. It's becoming who I was made for. It's attaching myself to the real thing, the main event not the sideshow. It's like as a child when you're working in the sandbox and you're building something and it's really great. And then there's all the other kids that are building in the sandbox and they wanna build a town. And you know, there's always that one person that doesn't like, come on, join with us, join. No, 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 this is just mine. And there's that invitation though, but look at how your part, what you're doing will actually be part of the whole thing. I think um, often we, we don't realize how much our contribution by just being with following Jesus is part of God's story involves not um, being asking us to attach our lives to his kingdom, not us attaching God's kingdom to our little story. It's becoming part of his story. It would be like the the college, the small college town team um, baseball player that's really good, but um, when the professionals come, they ask, uh, they're, they're looking, they're scouting, and 
they say, would you like to play for the big league? Well, I really like my little town and um, the opportunity is to become more. He's being invited to become more of who he is um, or being asked to be at the table of a corporation, you know, doing your job. And then all of a sudden you get asked to sit at the table and be part of the think tank. Why follow? Because I don't want to get left out. Why join? Why follow? Because I don't want to get left out of the big story. And that's what Jesus is asking us. The same question. When we ask, what can I do as a Christian? Um, Jesus says again to us each day. Not, it's not just a one-time thing. He says, follow me. Follow me. Trust me. It's not what you do. It's whether you're trusting me. And he's finding us where we are right now. He's saying, I know where you are. I know who, what you're doing. I know you, and I know what you will become. And you, what you will become is, um, for some, a fisher of men. For others, seeing, like Nathaniel, seeing the Son of Man ascending and descending on the, uh, the miracles um, for others, it's a become. Come follow me and I will make you dot, dot, dot. What will Jesus make us? Come follow me and I will make you. Amen. Dear Lord, thank you that you are worthy of us following you. That we are your... Um, you, were, you made us, and you know us completely. You know us better than we know ourselves. So when you come and find us, and you say to us, each of us, come follow me. And those out there, that we, those of us like Andrew and Philip that go find someone else right away to do it with us, you know that that's because we wanted, you made us that way. So Lord, Whatever we're doing right now here at North Point, each of us has something that we are doing this week. And as you call us again and again, saying, come follow me, help us, Lord, help us to, to understand what that call is, to trust you, to trust you, and to follow. And make us what you intend us to be. In Jesus' name, amen.